It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowd. It's the size of the school. Their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential, to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch because we know when we add up all those inches, that, that, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's down to the wire with, 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 with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Mr. Speedy Petey, a.k.a. Mr. Tidy Whitey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single, I guess, Monday and Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631 631- 9654990 and you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com download our app by going iOS WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network Speedy Petey, what's going on man uh, I hope you're doing well with your trip so far. I'm I'm been busy for the most part, really just grueling, helping my aunt doing all the stuff for the network. That's really it. Hope you're doing well with your trip though so far. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Well, I wouldn't say I'm enjoying myself, but it, you know, it's life, and that's what we do. We we try to move forward, not backwards. And uh, yes, I'm I'm trying to get things done while I'm on my trip and on my vacation. But uh, all in all, everything is well over here. But uh, in other places, it hasn't been well. And uh, by the way. Uh, there's a uh, passing this, uh, this week, uh, of Hank Aaron. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, we have two very special guests at six 30. We'll be talking to senior host of SI and also the host of the Robin Lumberg show, uh, Robin Lumberg. He's going to be joining us. So we're very excited about Robin joining us. And at seven seven fifteen, we'll be talking to the co-owner, uh, content creator of fantasy inventions, Stephanie Smalls. But, uh, uh, by the way, uh, and I was very excited this weekend about one thing and one thing only, that Conor McGregor got knocked out. I was very, very excited about that because maybe this will be, this will be the last time we hear from fans all over the country that have big mouths and don't shut up about this guy. I'm not saying that Conor isn't one of the greatest fighters of our era in the, in the UFC, but uh, this is a guy that's been very highly overrated for the last couple of years. He hasn't fought uh, he's fought one fight in two and a half years. The last time he fought, he got choked out by Khabib. And then finally, he fights Poirier again uh, this past weekend, Dustin Poirier, who he beat a couple of years ago uh, by knocking him out. And then he got knocked out himself. So uh, moving forward with Conor McGregor, I don't know if Conor's ever going to get in the ring again. And if he does get into the ring again, which more than likely he will, uh, he's not the same fighter. He's just not. But uh, this past weekend, the NFL – uh, was an exciting weekend, but it wasn't a lot of exciting outcomes. Not for me, at least, because <laughs> I, I was not very happy about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Green Bay Packer game. And I want to get into that first, because a lot of fans out there, uh, a, a matter of fact, some people actually reached out to me. I, was not very, I wasn't feeling very good yesterday. I was throwing up. 
And I did watch the game. I wasn't very happy about the outcome of the game. Uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers knock off the Green Bay Packers 31-26. to And, you know, it, it's so funny because there are a lot of Tom Brady lovers out there. And there are Tom Brady haters. There's no question there are. I'm one of them. And I'm not going to take away that Tom Brady isn't one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Because he is. He, he's, there's nothing to hide on that. This guy is going to his 10th Super Bowl. He's the first quarterback to even come close to doing that. Uh, but he's only won six Super Bowls out of three uh, out of nine Super Bowls. Now, if he goes into this Super Bowl and he loses against the Kansas City Chiefs, which we'll get into the Kansas City Chiefs in just one moment, um, he will be six and four as a Super Bowl champion. That is not uh, a good record when you're trying to compare him to a Joe Montana or uh, one of the top quarterbacks of our era, the Terry Bradshaws that were four and zero when they went to the Super Bowl. But I, I look at this game, and there was a lot of mistakes that the Green Bay Packers made. First of all, they couldn't hold on to the ball. Aaron Jones couldn't hold on to the ball. Supposedly, he came out of the game on concussion protocol or whatever the hell happened to him, ankle, knee, whatever they were calling. I think it was false information. I think Aaron Jones was taken out of the game because he couldn't hold on to the ball. Aaron Jones, who is going on a free agent year now, and I do not believe Green Bay will bring him back, especially the lack of... Uh, the lack of playing, you know, the, the lack of playing his game like we expected him to play in that uh, championship series game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, their backups played better than him. Williams played better than him. Dylan played better than him. And a guy like Jones, who's one of the best and one of the most underrated running backs in the league, which I told you he's going to play, he's going to have to play a big part in the Green Bay Packers winning that game against Tampa Bay because we all know the Green Bay Packers are not very good run-stopping team. They're not. And you saw that. Leonard Fournette ran against them. Jones ran against them. They dominated the line of scrimmage, and it opened up the field for Tom Brady in the first half. What, to me, showed me is Tom Brady isn't the same Tom Brady he once was. He's not the same accurate passer. He's not the, sta- the same playmaker that we expected to see in that game. Now, uh, I 280 yards – three interceptions, a couple of touchdowns is not what you call a great divisional championship game. It wasn't. And anybody that comes out and says that Tom Brady had a fantastic game. And it's so funny because I listened to CBS at the end of the game and you listen to Boomer Siasin, you listen to Phil Sims saying, Oh, Tom Brady did it again. Tom Brady did it again. And I'm, I'm making fun of Zaxon because, uh, he didn't do it again. And it was really Aaron Rodgers when had the opportunity, the chances of intercepting the ball the way they did in the second half of the game, you you would expect them to score. You would expect them to get touchdowns. Well, they got six points out of the two or three interceptions they had in the second half of the game. You can't win games by doing that. So, and and the Green Bay Packers, and I'll, I'll say this again, the Green Bay Packers offensive line was absolutely horrendous. They were horrendous. When you talk about Tom Brady and what Tom Brady has done over the last couple of years, and you see what he has done, you need a good offensive line to protect the quarterback. Well, honestly, it didn't show that. So, Speedy, before I get into my crazy uh, attack to Tom Brady, because everybody thinks that Tom Brady is the greatest, 
what did you think of the game? Yeah, I think the two obvious takeaways were this. One, they really missed David Bakhtiari in that game. He was the best performance left tackle in football all season long, and he go, it was down, I think, week 15. They really missed him against JPP, who had two sacks, Shaq Barrett, who had big sacks late in the game. They really missed him in that kind of case because their tackles really had a lot of trouble. That's number one. Number two, it seemed like Matt LaFleur throughout the game was kind of trying to make um, the offense more methodical rather than flashy and big play in order to keep the Buccaneers off the field, which was, which was taking a dimension away from what the Packers' offense is known to be. They had a big shot touchdown to Marcus Valdon scantling in the second quarter. But again, beyond that, they were kind of moving methodically. Adams really only caught short passes, which is not his game. Aaron Jones, like you were saying, really struggled. And it seemed like they were doing a little too much with trying to keep Brady off the field more than anything else. And I think that was a big problem throughout the game. Everyone was criticizing him for the field goal, which I would have gone for it too. But the, the bigger problem, I think, was the clock management. He took too much time in between plays and really didn't manage it well. Yeah, and, and you want to know something? Everybody keeps talking about defense wins championships, defense wins championships, which I'm one of the people that say that. Tampa had a defensive championship game plan defensively in that game. They got at the quarterback. J- J- JPP was unbelievable. I don't know what happened to JPP and, and, and what he was trying to prove yesterday, but he proved to me why the Giants should have never let go of this guy. This guy is a dominant player, a dominant force at the line of scrimmage. Got to Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers at will. And Atomic can sue. You say whatever you want. He he dominated the middle of the field. He stopped the running game. They could not run the ball. And, and you saw that. It, it, Adama Kutu was stopping stopping any running back that was running up the middle. And you saw the difference in, in the defense to offensive game. Now, Aaron Rodgers, who had a good game. Everybody keeps saying, well, Aaron Rodgers didn't make the plays at the end of the game. He didn't make plays at the end of the game. And you you have to attack Aaron Rodgers because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I, I really believe he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. I really do believe that. Um, but in the big game, Aaron Rodgers making the big pass and the big play and the important parts of the game, he did not do that yesterday. He didn't. Now, um, again, Tampa's defense played very, very well. They shut they shut down Devontae Adams. Say whatever you want. I was very impressed with their defense and their secondary. I did not think that Devontae Adams was going to be shut down by that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I didn't. I think he was far and along the best player on the field offensively besides Aaron Rodgers. And it did not show yesterday. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is doing in the first half. He did not throw the ball enough to Devontae Adams. And in the second half, he forced the ball to Devontae Adams. And he made a lot of mistakes because of it. He did throw an interception in this game. Aaron did have three touchdowns. He had over 340, 350 yards. It, it, when, it, when you look at numbers, he had a good game. But when it, when it comes to the fourth quarter and not making the plays in the important parts of the game, Aaron Rodgers completely failed. Now, Going into this offseason, I don't know what Green Bay is going to do. I don't know if they're going to keep Aaron Rodgers now that they have Jordan Love. I I don't know what's going to happen. But let's be honest. This is a team that was favorite to come out of the NFC. This was a team that a lot of people picked to win a Super Bowl this year. They had the most talent they've ever had uh, since the Aaron Rodgers era. You talk about defensively. This was still a top 10 defense. They played very well, except stopping the run. They were a top 10 defense throughout the season. Um, They looked horrendous. They really did. They did not look good against an old man like Tom Brady. And and let's be honest, Tom Brady didn't, again, he didn't have a great game. Everybody else did. The defense played well. And um, there was a lot of good, there was a lot of short passes and the running game was fantastic. Leonard Fournette, say whatever you want. He missed practically the whole season. He came from Jacksonville. 
Leonard Fennett showed you why they made the move to bring him into this organization and this team because Leonard Fennett for the last three weeks has dominated the line of scrimmage. Yeah, again, the offensive line for Tampa definitely was the biggest factor for them offensively because it was kind of spread around with the different skill players with what they were able to do. One quarter was Fournette. The other one was Evans really in the beginning. Then then it was Godwin that took over after that. There was the big play to Scotty Miller. So Arians did a great job in that, but it was really the offensive line that made a difference. Both tackles played tremendously well. I've been bashing Jonathan Donovan Smith for most of his career, but he played phenomenally all postseason long. And defensively for Tampa, they really did a nice job. I still make put most of the blame for Adams on LaFleur because I really think they were using him short way too much in that aspect of it. And you're right, the Packers defensive play calling, I don't know what they were doing, especially on third down. It seemed like they were only rushing three a lot of the times. When Tampa's line was playing that well, you really have to do something different, and they really didn't. Yeah, and, and then we go to the, the second game of, of the week, the second game of, of Sunday, the AFC title game in Kansas City. Kansas City fell behind against the Buffalo Bills Nine nothing early in the game. Uh, it looked like Aaron uh, Josh Allen was absolutely dominating. He was playing very very well early in the game. They were running the ball very very well, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. A switch. Patrick Mahomes went. I don't know what he did. He was showing his underwear. I have no idea what Patrick Mahomes was doing. But all in all, Patrick Mahomes picked up the pace. Anybody I thought Le'Veon Bell was going to be a factor in the playoffs for this Kansas City Chiefs, he looked horrendous yesterday. He looks washed up. I think the Jets had every right, every thought to get rid of uh, Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell just hasn't looked good ever since he's ever since he's come to this team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody thought he was going to open up the field for them. They were going to use him as another wide receiver. He he just hasn't been the same fast running back that we remembered him with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe it was because of the offensive line. Maybe it was because of all the talented wide receivers they had with the Antonio Browns and the players that they've had, the Bryants of the world, that can actually make make plays and open up the field for the running game. I don't know what happened to him, but Le'Veon Bell did not look good. And the wide receiving core of this Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Travis Kelsey was unbelievable yesterday. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. This is why everybody has said that he is the best tight end in the league. I think he, you can argue points with him and George Kittle. Uh, I think he's the best all-around tight end in the league in Travis Kelsey, and I think the best – Offensive wide receiver tight end in a league is George Kittle. But you've seen the difference. Both players, uh, last year Kittles was in the Super Bowl. This year you have Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl. Both, both of them won the Super Bowl last year. And uh, you see the difference, how important the tight end position is in the NFL when you have a top-end wide, wide receiver tight end that can make plays in the open field who's as fast as a wide receiver. He's big and he's strong and he can block like Travis Kelsey. And, and we all know what Hill can do. Hill is an unbelievable open field runner. And you saw that yesterday. As soon as he found a seam, you couldn't stop him. You really could. And, 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 and the defense, Kansas City Chiefs, I am not a Spagnola fan. I never like his defense. I don't like his all-out blitz type of defense. But it works. It really does. Jones played very, very well. Uh, they torched Josh Allen in the second half. Josh Allen just got scared and behind the line of scrimmage. And Josh Allen ran the ball very, very well. I think he had 88 yards running. He ran the ball, but he couldn't throw the ball in the open field. And you talk about the honey badger. You see how important he is to the defense. And, and what this Kansas City Chiefs team stands for 
You talk about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had protocol all single week, all week, concussion protocol. Nobody even knew he was going to play in the game. And then he finally picked up the pace, really, in the second quarter of the game. And he didn't look back. This team didn't look back. And Andy Reid, I love Andy Reid. He deserves all the credit in the world. I'm not a Kansas City Chief fan. I'm not. But I love Andy Reid. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, one of the best Samaritan coaches in the NFL, very well respected throughout the league, one of the nicest people, one of the nicest coaches in the NFL. He deserves all the credit in the world with this offense, especially bringing in, bringing in Chad Henning last week and, and making a play at the end of the game that practically won them the game against the Browns. So uh, it could have been Buffalo. Or it could have been the Browns going to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But no, it's the Kansas City Chiefs going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So speedy. Uh, And by the way, I don't know what was going on in the second half of the game. The Buffalo Bills. And Josh Allen is a complete sore loser. Okay? What he did after he got tackled to the ground by, uh, uh, I'm sorry. uh, Frank Clark. No, not Clark. It was um, uh, Alex Okafor. Okafor. Okafor, I'm sorry, it was Okafor who tackled him to the ground. I think it was 57-58. And then all of a sudden, uh, Josh Allen threw the football at the end of the game in the fourth quarter at him with what, what what's two minutes left yeah. of the game. And then all of a sudden, the offensive lineman, uh, the, the offensive lineman of the Buffalo Bills came to his defense, which I understand. I appreciate an offensive lineman to come to his offense. But Josh Allen was completely at fault in that play. And, and, and really, Josh Allen – be all you be all what he is as a player and how talented he is and what he's shown everybody to be a top five, top six quarterback in the league. He looked horrendous and he couldn't get the ball to Stefan Diggs. And Stefan Diggs, when he did make plays in the open field, he couldn't run he, as soon as he, he couldn't. Stefan Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the league and a catch and run type of wide receiver. He did not do this in this game. And, and, and you saw the difference in the offense uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think the biggest things with with. The Bills were two things, one of which Sean McDermott tried everything on defense to stop Travis Kelsey. We saw Milano, Edmonds, Poyer, Hyde. Kelsey was just too good. Simple as that. It's not, it's not like he wasn't trying to do that. But again, the one thing I'm surprised they didn't do was Tredavious White shadowing more on Tyreek Hill. They kind of switched him off. They put him on Kelsey at times. They put him on just one side of the field at times. And that was kind of weird to me. Everyone's criticizing him for the field goal. I don't mind one at the end of the half, which is fine. But the second one was kind of weird to me. And definitely what you were saying about Josh Allen. That was very classless, I think, at the end of the game. In a blowout type game. And you don't really see that with Josh Allen normally. John Feliciano, like you were saying, came to his defense. But... Still, that's still very inappropriate, very classless from Josh Allen. I, I'm surprised that he's being that type of guy, and the Bills are not normally that type of team, so I'm very surprised that ends up being the case. But I think the biggest takeaways is, shout out to Steve Spagnuolo. That was a tremendous game plan he had, and those corners played very well for Kansas City in that game. With Again, they lost Fuller in the offseason, a lot of rookies on that team, and they played tremendously. Yeah, they played very, very well. And and I'm so sick and tired of the crybaby antics at the end of the game. Aaron Rodgers' crybaby antics. I am so tired of it. Uh, Tom Brady with his smile. I'm going to the Super Bowl. Good for him. I, I have to give Tom Brady a lot of credit. Say whatever you want about Tom Brady. Um, and he didn't play well. He hasn't played well throughout the playoffs. And all the Tom Brady lovers, all the Tom Brady lovers, the Beave, <laughs> Eric Martini, all you guys that love Tom Brady, I'm so tired of listening to you guys say that Tom Brady is the reason why uh, all these championships happen. It's a team game. Football is a team sport. That's what it is. And you saw the difference in when your team plays well, when Tampa's defense played well, their offensive line held up. And by the way, 
Tampa's offensive line is practically the same offensive line they were last year, maybe adding one or two pieces. They, their draft pick from the last year's draft and worth. I, I, they, this is still still the same offensive line, but you see how fast Tom Brady gets a, uh, gets rid of the ball. He's one has one of the fastest releases in the NFL, and you saw you see the difference in the game and, and with Jameis Winston who holds on the ball in the pocket. And then Tom Brady, who could sit in the pocket and make plays three seconds, two seconds, and releasing the ball. So you see the difference in the talent in the way they play. So um, and also the Buffalo Bills, even at the end of the game, the the excuses that you heard. I, and I I love McDermott. McDermott is a good coach. He, he pretty much the Kansas City earned their stripes. They played hard and they played better than we did. We made a lot of mistakes, and that's why we didn't win. But some of the players, Josh Allen with the excuses, and, and, and some of the, the offensive linemen that were interviewed yesterday, which I, I got an opportunity to read some of the things that they said, saying that the, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, were talking and cheap shots. The only people that I saw had cheap shots in the game, the only team that had cheap shots in that game were the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they should be ashamed of themselves on what they did. They completely showed for a season of fantastic play, and Buffalo Bills – shows you why they're an up-and-coming team and one of the best young teams in the NFL. To go into an AFC title game and absolutely embarrass yourself the way they did, they should be ashamed of themselves. It was absolutely disgraceful. As far as um, going into the the offseason and what Buffalo needs to do, well, it's pretty obvious what Buffalo needs to do. They need to find themselves a running game. That's what they need to do. They have had problems all year running the ball. They could not run against this Kansas City Chiefs team, by the way, is not a good run-stopping team, and they stuffed. They absolutely stuffed the Buffalo Bills running game. And Stephen Diggs, you cannot win with one star wide receiver. We've seen this year in and year out. Look at the Green Bay Packers with Devontae Adams. They needed another. They should have drafted another wide receiver this past offseason. They did not help Aaron Rodgers out. Devontae Adams is the only wide receiver that has any uh, any thought in anybody's mind to be any good on that on that offensive side of the ball. And by the way, Aaron Jones, who expected a big contract in the offseason, well, you're not getting it, bud. You're not getting it. Not from them, not from Green Bay. Uh, you absolutely uh, hurt yourself in the free agency market, and you saw the difference in the game. I, I've said this over and over and over again. If you have a great running game and you have a great defense, you're going to win championships. And the two teams that are going to the Super Bowl – the Kansas City Chiefs in the the NFC in the AFC title game, they could run the ball and they could play defense. You saw what they can do in the in the defensive side of the ball in Steve Spagnola. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of his defense, but he had a great game plan and he shut down Josh Allen and and that offensive line and that offense. And then going into the Green Bay Packer game, the defense was the absolute most important part of that game. Tampa absolutely abused Aaron Rodgers. I think he got sacked nine times in the game. He got abused behind the line of scrimmage. He had no time to do anything. The offensive line could not protect him. Um, and I, I think that this is going to be a great Super Bowl in two weeks. I really do. Kansas City uh, against Tampa. Um, old Tudor against new super. I, mean, I say old Tudor because old teacher against new superstar. Uh you have the battle of uh, two really great quarterbacks, one that's going to be a, one of the greatest quarterbacks and a Hall of Famer, and the other one that's an up-and-coming superstar. He is a superstar and, and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I'm very, very excited in two weeks, and hopefully Kansas City comes out on top. I do not want to see Tom Brady come down with another championship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, honestly, even though Tom Brady has not had a good playoff run, if Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl – 
I can't really, I can't really put Tom Brady down. I can't say that Tom Brady isn't one of the greatest or isn't the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. That's seven Super Bowls in, you know, in, in 10 tries. That's you're seven and three. But if you go and you lose in the Super Bowl, you're six and four. And seven and three is a lot better record than six and four. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to senior host of SI and also the host Robin Lumberg show on the CBS radio Saturday mornings and co-host of Full Court of Flatbush with Kerry Kittles uh, of the Brooklyn Nets podcast for the New York Post, Mr. Robin Lumberg. I'm down to the wire. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to Down to the Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. DJ Speedy, you know, I... With all the music that you pick, you pick this song. Oh, man. As you know, this is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Mr. Speedy Beanie. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631-965-4990. You can also go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide radio network well we had i'll say this we had a crazy weekend of sports like i said conor mcgregor uh we have now we know who's going to the super bowl the kansas city chiefs and the tampa bay buccaneers and jillian reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and she said that we've been trying to get robin lumberg on the show and i said well i'm on my show i want to talk to him i i know he knows a lot about what's going on in sports. I, I've been following him for many, many years. He actually was on my show years and years ago, if he doesn't remember, but uh, we'll get we'll get into that in just one second. We are now talking to senior host of SI and also the host Robin Lumberg show on the CBS radio Saturday mornings and co-host of Full Court of Flatbush with Kerry Kittles uh, of the Brooklyn Nets podcast for the New York Post, Mr. Robin Lumberg. What's going on, Robin? You're right, I don't get any entrance music. You know, uh, <laughs> like breaking, breaking, breaking glass, I'll come through now. <laughs> What's going on? That's his fault. Blame the producer. That's not my fault. All right. I'm not the one that's doing that. But uh, Robin, how are you, Robin? How are you and family doing with this pandemic? Uh, I know you have kids. How are you guys doing? Uh, you know, I, I say this a lot. All things considered, I'm doing great, right? Like, uh, I'm employed. I'm healthy. So I really don't have much to complain about. Like my biggest complaint is like, you know, I'm in the house too much. Uh, you know, we all are dealing with it in, in some degree or, or another, but uh, fortunate to to be doing all right. Well, you're very, very busy. I can see that. I mean, you have podcasts. You're on CBS Sports on Saturday. I mean, you're great. I've I've followed you for years. I mean, uh, it's amazing what you've been doing right now in the sports world as a broadcaster, as an analyst, and everything that you've been doing. Has there anything? Is there anything that's really stuck out to you over the last couple of years in, in the growth of your career? Is there anything that really peeks out to you on what you've been doing? Uh, you know, it, it's you, you always have different peaks and valleys and, and things you remember, right? Like, I mean, I spent a long time at ESPN Radio, um, and and during that time period, you know, there was a, a connection with the audience that was always special to me. And then when I first got to SI, 
I did a video on, um, it was like actually like the, probably the video I was born to do at the time. Cause it, it started with, it was a LeBron being better, you know, the best ever video before that was like all over the place. And I started it with a Jay-Z quote and, and anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Ho fan. It was like, uh, Ho got slow, but he's no big and pop, but he's close. How, is it, how am I supposed to win when he, you got me chasing ghosts? And that thing did like 10 million views or something like that. Um, you know, so I knew that it solidified me at that place. And, and, you know, and then it's just, um, there, there's always things that are, are, you know, I'll never forget where I was when I found out about Kobe RIP, you know, a year ago tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's just, you know, so many different things that, um, you know, I'm thankful to be able to, to do stuff every day for SI and, and hit every sort of topic. I'm thankful to, you know, be able to still have that listener connection on the radio and, and, and talk to people on Saturday mornings. And, and now, with the Brooklyn Nets being the most interesting team, maybe in sports, getting to do a podcast on the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, I'm busy uh, for sure. And sometimes I'm like, all right, you know, do I need to do I need to dial back a little bit? But it, it sure as hell beats the alternative. So Errol was bringing it up earlier uh, about Tom Brady and where he ranks among the greatest quarterbacks. And you actually posted a video about two hours ago saying that you think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback, but not the greatest athlete of all time. So go through what you were referencing in that and maybe how many athletes you would take over him when it comes to, when it comes to all time or which specific ones, I guess. Uh, Okay. Let's start with the quarterback aspect of it. I mean, I think clearly he has defined himself as the greatest of all time. You really like, you might not like it, but you can't really argue against it. I I think the only person who has an argument is future Patrick Mahomes, but (laughs) that's the only person who has an argument. Uh, I I would put him on my Mount Rushmore, um, you know, of the greatest I've seen, right? It's a little difficult because you have the individual athletes. So you have Floyd Mayweather and, and Serena Williams and, and, you know, people like that who have achieved individually. And then you have the, the team sport athletes and, and you have the LeBron Jordan aspect of it. Um, you know, to me, LeBron himself is a one man dynasty, right? You, you put him on any team he's gone to. He turns him from lottery team to contender, essentially. Um, and, and then there's just a degree of athleticism involved. It, it's it's nitpicking. Um, you know, so if you said Brady's the greatest ever, I'm, I'm not mad. At that opinion, given what he's he's accomplished, I just feel like the dynamics of football are a little different. Um, and, and you know, uh, clearly every team he's been on has benefited from him his presence. But this year, you know, he's surrounded by a lot of good personnel. The defense really won that game early in his career. The defense won a lot of those games. Obviously, he had Belichick around him, so I'm not taking away any of what he did. But there, there's just a, a certain dynamic structure. I think it's a little bit different in football than it is in basketball. So ultimately. I'd have him on my my Mount Rushmore, um, and that's nothing to to sneeze at. Well, I will say this. He's either either one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game or one of the luckiest quarterbacks to ever play the game. That's for sure. You can't (laughs) be that lucky that often, right? Like, I mean – I mean, they also cheated a little bit in New England. We, we forget about that. But, uh, you know, but you nobody's that lucky. That that's the point. Like we're we're okay. Like you can rationalize it away or explain it away at some point. But then when it gets so overwhelming, the common denominator is Tom Brady. The common denominator can't be luck every time. As you guys know, we are talking to senior host of SI and also the host of Robin Lumberg Show, Robin Lumberg. Now, Robin. 
we, we were talking about Tom Brady and how great Tom Brady has been throughout the last, I would say, the last uh, two centuries or whatever, decades. I, I, the guy's unbelievable. The guy, has, he never ages. He's 43 years old. He's still playing in the game. I, I'm surprised he hasn't played for 50 years. It's just unbelievable on what he has done as a, a player and, and, and how much success he's had. It, do you think with all the success Tom Brady has had, does he stand out as the greatest athlete? Of our era? Uh, no, I mean, I, he's, again, it's Mount Rushmore, like I said. So, like, um, who's better, LeBron or Brady? Mm-hmm. I, they, they both LeBron, been, LeBron, yes. I mean, like, or you could, I, I guess you could argue either way, right? Like, it, it comes down to a preference or a specific point on that. Uh, Serena or, or Brady, Tiger or Brady. I, I discount golf, so I, I wouldn't really throw it to, but I'm just using another example. Um, you know, so I, I think it comes down to he's on that that short, short list. Um, and, and ultimately, when it comes to team sports, I think it's it, it basically boils down to a, a LeBron versus Brady debate and where you fall on that. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Another one that I was thinking of, too, is Michael Phelps as well. All he's accomplished in the Olympics. I would definitely put him maybe even number one in this uh, in this athlete. Realm. Here's my thing on this. And I know this pisses some people off. <laughs> Uh, the best athletes just don't wind up in a swimming pool first off, right? Like, you know, it's not the first thing you do when you're like, all right, we're all competing in the schoolyard. Like, I'm going to be the best in the swim. He's the best swimmer ever. No questions asked. Uh, un- and I say this as a former distance runner. Like, I was um, I was a distance runner. I think I was fifth in the state of Maryland in the two-mile when I was in high school, right? And and I actually won the the, the best athlete award in my, my high school. I played basketball and soccer and, and track. And it was it was a crock because there was no way I was the best athlete in my school. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Maybe it was I was the token white boy on the basketball team, or just the, the number of things that that I did. But um, you know, if I was a good enough athlete, I would have ran. I would have run the one hundred meter. I would not have run the two hundred two mile. Right? Like if I was fat, first thing you do is racing. So like, I I, I think. Um, Michael Phelps is tremendously accomplished, but even if you're having like a Usain Bolt versus Michael Phelps debate, I would lean to the sprinter because that's the first thing you're doing. Let's get in, and have a race. And then eventually you find your your niche if you're not in, in one or two things. And, and in the, the build that Phelps has, the breath control that Phelps has, all those things are so incredibly suited to being in the, in the swimming pool. He's unbelievable there, but it's a little bit too specialized. I think for me to to put him in that that broader thing with where I think you just have more talent competing for those spots. So we're in New York, and I want to know your opinion. What are your thoughts with the hire of Robert Sala? And where do you think the Jets have to go this offseason to really rebuild this team to possibly be a playoff team next year? I mean, Deshaun Watson, he's a big name that everybody keeps talking about. Uh, he, The Jets are his number one target all of a sudden. Uh, when the Jets were the laughing stock of the league uh, a year ago, now all of a sudden with the season that they had, they have the number two pick. Robert Sala comes in. Now Richard Sherman, Allen Robertson are writing, posting up things that they want to go there. And now everybody wants to go play for Robert Sala in the New York Jets. So what are your thoughts of what the Jets need to do in the offseason, what Joe Douglas needs to do in a draft, and do the Jets make that move for Deshaun Watson? Well, look, uh, when, when a lot of these coaches are hired, does anybody actually know? Like, people like to pretend that they know. Um, we'll see. But the the word on Salah is very good, right? Like, people have vouched for him. People have spoke of, of his presence. And, and, and clearly, you can see him speak, and he's got a, a good demeanor. 
about him. So uh, I, I can't be mad at that at all, especially if it, it leads to Deshaun Watson being more attracted to, to your place as a destination. If they can trade for Deshaun Watson, absolutely you do that. Cause I, I think um, that that organization needs two things first and foremost, before it needs anything else, it needs culture or structure and it needs a quarterback. Um, so, you know, the, the, you get those two things, you're in business. And then you can start talking about like weapons and, and all that, you know, ancillary, the paint job, right? The, the, you know, the sound system, all those things. But first you need the, the engine and the, the driver. So if it wasn't the Jets or the Dolphins, which are two, his two preferred teams, which other teams do you think have a good shot or maybe, maybe an under the radar shot at making a trade for Deshaun Watson and maybe it would be worth it for them with their draft picks and their situation, maybe coaching wise too? Oh, I think it's worth it for, you know, 20 teams out there. I'd have to look and, and actually analyze the draft capital that some of these teams have. But of course, like a team like San Francisco jumps to mind or Denver or Washington, you know, the Rams, if that was somehow possible. There are a lot of teams out there that, you know, you put Deshaun Watson on them and they look a lot better. Um, I think the reason you've heard the Jets and the Dolphins so much is because where they are in this year's draft, um, you know, and, and the Jets made that Jamal Adams trade. So they have other picks in tow. Uh, the Dolphins could theoretically, you know, package Tua with the the second pick in the draft. So I think that's the, the main reason you've heard those two teams is because of, of where they're at in the draft this year to to put together a, a enticing trade package. We are talking to senior host of SI and also the host of the Robin Lumberg show, Robin Lumberg. Now, Robin, now we're getting on to baseball. We're moving on to baseball. The New York Mets make a trade for Francisco Lindor, Carrasco. Everybody, everybody thought they lost out on Springer and Brad Hand. Uh, and, and everybody thinks that uh, Uncle Stevie's going to go out and spend the money and buy everybody, just like the New York Yankees. Uh, are you surprised that the Mets haven't made any other big moves yet? Uh, you know, like, I, I, the Lindor move is a, a pretty significant move, right? I mean, that's the that's the biggest move that most teams would make in, in any offseason when you get somebody who plays a defensive position and can hit like that. So, I mean, I, I think that's a, you know, significant move. Obviously, the, the Mets had their own thing to deal with, like, last week. They had to fire the, the GM over that creepy behavior. Um, so uh, that might actually put – you know, you know, you a little bit behind for a second because you have to think about the actual ramifications of that. That was the guy running the day to day. You're dealing with that. You got to get him out of the way. But I, I think, uh, you know, like I referenced it before with quarterbacks and culture. I always say that the two most important things you can have as a fan base are one belief in your organization and two, like the people running it. Mm-hmm. Two is a, a transcendent talent. Um, you know, the Mets have some talent. I don't know if you'd say anybody's like, you know, headed directly to the hall of fame uh, immediately, but they've got, uh, they've upgraded their talent mm-hmm. and, you know, Cohen now in, in lieu of the will ponds has to make you feel pretty good overall. So what about just the overall market with baseball? We've seen it a lot where these players are signing later. They're signing for less than we initially thought. I mean, some of it is the pandemic. They've lost a lot of money, but are you surprised that this trend is still continuing, even going back to like even the last three years? And how long do you think it will continue? Maybe these players struggling to get the contracts they want. Well, I think what happened is that it all got set out of whack, right? By some of those deals that you got thrown out, people signing 50 year deals. (laughs) And like, you know, so that set the set what the market was. And then people didn't want to hit that market. But you also have agents who are pushing for their player to hit that market. So I, I think that's probably some of the delay is, is the market correcting itself. 
and that takes a little bit of time to, to actually iron out. Um, but still, even with the delays at times, you see guys, once they do eventually sign, they're still winding up with, with, with fairly, you know, handsome deals. Well, you look at the Yankees, Robin, and, and the Yankees were really the team that started, you know, overspending for players with George Steinbrenner. He, he was the guy that would uh, give these players eight or nine year deals worth about 150, 160 million. And then all of a sudden this offseason with the COVID-19, the Yankees kind of changed the market. Uh, giving DJ LeMayu uh, a six year deal worth about $90 million. This is one of the best hitters in baseball. Do you see this as the Yankees, you know, he, they started the trend on overpaying players. Now, do you think the Yankees have changed the trend to underpay players and give them more years? Well, look, I, I think everybody's looking for um, market inefficiencies uh, or, or things that they can capitalize on. It's not, you know, it's not like the Yankees are the only team that is interested in signing players, right? So I don't think they can, they can just dictate how it goes. I, I think, uh, again, you're, you're dealing with the market correcting itself over time. And if you are a, you know, I think if you are a team, you'd rather pay more um, per year than, than pay out all those years because every single one of those deals – we, we've thought about and gone, you know, Bryce Harper, what's he look like at the end of that Phillies deal? Or remember, you know, the deal Robinson Cano signed, look how that, you know, has wound up over time. Like those kind of deals that you don't want to be um, a part of. So I think you're seeing, you know, the organizations um, trying to be a little bit more shrewd in the way that they're, they're structuring these things. And the, the players are, are coming back down to the, you know, to that, to work it out and, and what benefits them best. But I mean, again, the, the deal you just cited, that's not NBA superstar number, but it is, it's bigger than almost everybody in the NFL, right? I mean, that's like a, you know, still a relatively good deal. Yeah. So I want to go back to the NFL because you actually had an interesting take on the Philip Rivers uh, retirement. There's a debate now whether Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer that leads back to the Eli Manning. And both Errol and I think they're both Hall of Famers. He thinks Rivers is better than Eli. I, I think Eli's better. But um, what was your take on that and maybe this whole Hall of Fame debate, maybe just with the committee itself in terms of letting these players in? Well, yeah, look, does Philip Rivers pass that, oh, my God, yes, of course he's a Hall of Famer thing? No, I don't think so. Like that instant reaction, like, yes, you know, you put him in the Hall of Fame. Um, cause I never thought of him as like a, a huge big game guy or somebody that I feared in those spots. In fact, he's only won one more than one playoff game one time in, in his career. But then you actually look at his career that he had, you know, plenty of winning seasons, plenty of playoff appearances, fifth all time in touchdown passes, fifth all time in, in passing yards. And it's going to be tough to keep him out based on that. And, and that's where ultimately I would vote him in. Like I never buy the first ballot or, or not nonsense. It's kind of like you're a hall of famer or you're not. My point kind of was, and you referenced it to a degree. If we're going to turn Eli Manning into some huge debate, then Philip Rivers is a debate. I put them both in. I agree. I put them both in, but you know, one guy, you know, uh, Philip Rivers has the edge statistically, but it's not like um a landslide. And then uh, my favorite thing about the Eli nonsense is, well, if you took away the two Super Bowls and the two Super Bowl MVPs, yeah, well, if you took away everybody's greatest accomplishments, they're not as good. <laughs> you know, like, there's a reason you're using them as part of the argument because they're big accomplishments. Most people don't. Aaron Rodgers just got eliminated. He's only won one Super Bowl. Drew Brees just got eliminated. He's only won one Super Bowl. So, yeah, Eli Manning might not touch those guys um, regular seasons, but it, it does matter <laughs> that he had two successful playoff runs, won two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, and beat Tom Brady twice. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We are talking to senior hosts of SI and also the host of the Robin Lumberg show, Robin Lumberg. Now, Robin, I've been watching the Knicks, and I am a huge New York Knicks fan. 
I, I've, I've grown up, everybody, I was a hockey player, I was a, a top-end hockey player, uh, a ranked hockey player in the country before I hurt my knee, and I've been following hockey for, for years, but basketball was my love, all the way through uh, the 90s with the New York Knicks, the John Starks, the Charles Oakleys, the Patrick Ewings, uh, the uh, Xavier McDaniels, Anthony Masons, I mean, those were the fun Knicks, I loved the New York Knicks. But over the last 20, 25 years, this New York Knicks team has been absolutely horrendous. Uh, the coaches they brought in, the David Fisdells of the world, the the crap that they brought in uh, to this organization. And by the way, Phil Jackson being another you-know-what. I don't want to say it on live radio, but that's just my opinion. Um, you look at Tom Thibodeau, Rose, Wesley, and Perry together, working together. You don't hear James Dolan's name anymore. And then you see the draft that they had. They brought in a guy like Quigley, who everybody was talking about. Who the hell is Emmanuel Quigley? Oh, he was just the SEC player of the year. And uh, and you bring in, uh, you know, all these different players. You, you bring in all these Kentucky players. Julius Randle sh- showing why he, he could become a superstar in this league. All under Tom Thibodeau, who actually interviewed for this job three times before he got it, because this is what he wanted. He wanted to be the coach of the New York Knicks. He grew up in Connecticut. Uh, He grew up a New York Knicks fan. He came to the league under Pat Riley and Jeff Van Gundy. He finally gets his dream job, and this team is finally playing defense. They're ranked in almost every single defensive statistic right now in the league as the number one defensive team in the league. Are you surprised this team is playing as well as they are? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I am. Um, Look, Tom Thibodeau, I think one thing he's kind of shown is he's going to maximize what he has. And, and part of that is playing guys, a lot of minutes, you know, Barrett and, and Randall are playing a ton of minutes. Um, part of that is developing guys who maybe, you know, didn't play as well under previous regimes. Randall would certainly fall into to that category. Um, you know, uh, they've got some, some young guys who, who have some potential to a degree, but I, I still don't think overall, they're incredibly talented. You reference it. You reference quickly. I mean, you know, he. I think if he pans out, that would be really big for them because I think you still have a question mark on Toppin. Barrett has to show he's more consistent with the shot, though. You know, he, he's strong and can can get to the basket at times. But I, I am surprised because you know, if you look at it and you go, "All right, going into the season, who's the best player on the team?" Given what Randall had done last year, I wasn't expecting this from him. You know, and the, the rest of that personnel. I think the the Knicks have been um, surprisingly competitive, which speaks well to the the people that are running them at the moment. Um, I think you know they, they got a long ways to go before they make any other leap. They're, I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, I, I don't think they have the in-house um, personnel to contend based just on their core uh, at, at any time. But if, if you're just looking for the the meter to be pointed upwards, uh, I think yeah, you could say that. So the other end of the New York basketball has been the Nets making a lot of headlines with the James Harden trade now. Kyrie Irving missing in action for quite a while. So what are your thoughts with all those? Do you think the Nets gave up too much? What do you think their ceiling is like in terms of the the Eastern Conference, maybe being the best team? And could they beat one of those West powerhouses? And if so, what will it take in order for them to do that? Well, they're not a championship-level team right now, uh, as is. But I still think they wind up winning the Eastern Conference. Um, You know, the you don't have Kevin Durant and James Harden on your team and suck or, or not be really good. Right. And and then Kyrie, you add him to the mix. The, the addition of Kyrie made him a little worse defensively, a little smaller um, and made the dynamic a little harder to figure out because Katie and, and Durant, you know, that's going to click instantly. K- Katie and Kyrie was cl- clicking instantly. I think it's more about how Harden and Kyrie play together. 
I think they they did their best job of that the other night, but they have to be aggressive simultaneously. Kyrie has to still look for his, his offense because he's an incredible shooter, but not commandeer the – you know, it's a balance. It's, it's working that stuff out. I think more of their issues – Kevin Durant just fixes everything. Uh, more of the issue, I think, is they, they need NBA bigs. They don't have many of them on the roster. Um, Nick Claxton coming back could be big for them. They could use another wing player. You know, those ancillary pieces because you, you've got the big three – Jordan, DeAndre Jordan, I think you can, you know, trust for 15, 20 minutes and 20 minutes a night, something like that. But they're asking too much uh, out of that position right now from him. And then beyond that, you can trust Joe Harris, uh, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. Um, and, and then nobody else. The bench is weak. So a championship team does plays championship level defense, you know, doesn't turn the ball over a bunch, rebounds the basketball, all those little things aside from just scoring it. And And the Lakers, you know. Until proven otherwise, the Lakers are the overwhelming favorites because of, you know, LeBron and AD and then what they, they've already proven they do as a team, as a unit um, with their depth. Um, but if you're telling me like the three teams that I think have the best chance to win the championship, clearly the Lakers. And then next up, I would go with the, the Clippers and the Nets in, in some order. And by the end of the season, once they, you know, play together more and once they they, they put the, the finishing touches on the roster, at least as much as they can do this year. Because remember, this is not all about, I know that we get caught up, but it's not all about this year. You know, you're, it's about this window that you have with these guys this year, next year, the year after that, hopefully the year after that, maybe the year after that. Um, but by the end of it, I, I, I think, you know, it would be a little bit of a disappointment if they don't at least win the East. Mm. Well, I will say this. Hopefully you don't think the earth is flat, okay? <laughs> you can prove that yourself. I mean, you know, why is it is it light in China right now? Probably. <laughs> well, Kyrie does. I'm surprised he didn't fly to the moon. I mean, he disappeared for seven or eight days. So who knows what he was doing in that time. But uh, before we let you go, um, could you uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, some of the things that you've been doing besides radio? Uh, off, you know, off key. Some of the have you been working on some of the any kind of events? Are you doing anything um, trying to help any uh, organizations? Are, are you doing any of that? Uh, I mean, I was um, involved, uh, I guess, politically, um, <laughs> given the the current the the previous state affairs. Hopefully, not the current state of affairs. But um, you know, I I did protests and made phone calls and stuff like that at various times. Uh, Right now, though, more so, I'm, you know, uh, I'm a dad. Uh, that that takes up a lot of time. And then and just try not to go insane, right? Like, so I, I, most of my day is working, being a dad. And then, like, I always tell my family, I need, daddy needs his air. Uh, and I go outside for a bike ride or a run or, or something along those lines to get some air. But, uh, you know, if I can help people out, of course, I always try and do that when I get a chance. But I, I can't, I'm not going to um, make myself out to be like some sort of, philanthropic selfless hero no yeah well you've been one of the most respectable broadcasters in the business for the last 10 years i really appreciate you joining us tell the fans how they can find you on social media sure it's at robin lundberg on twitter r-o-b-i-n-l-u-n-d-b-e-r-g then somebody has my name some other dude had my name on instagram so I, it's the robin lundberg on on instagram uh my i'm facebook i'm my name and you can check out uh you know si.com sports illustrated youtube page their twitter si now for videos during the day cbs sports radio saturday mornings and full court on flatbush uh which is a podcast on the brooklyn nets from the new york post well tell uh kerry kittles i was a big fan of his uh growing up 
uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. I followed him when he played college ball. Uh, one of the best three-point shooters I've ever seen in college basketball. So Kerry Kittles, who is very well-respected around the league and basketball. Uh, I really appreciate you, Robin, for joining us. No, no problem, guys. Have a good one. Robin Lumberg, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very nice guy. Very professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave us some good insight with all the New York sports. And uh, he, he's a very special guy when it comes to broadcasting and sports radio. He's been unbelievable. Uh, for some of the growth, of some, when you watch ESPN, all those years, uh, listening to Robin Lumberg late at night on ESPN. And then finally, CBS you know, took him on and, 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 and SI. I mean, he has been very successful for the little bit of time that he's been on radio. So uh, Robin Lumberg is uh, a special, special person in the business in New York sports radio. And I was very excited to get him on. So uh, great interview, too. Mm-hmm. Great interview. Gave us some good insight on what he thought about what's going on with the Nets, the Knicks, uh, some football. I didn't really want to talk more about Kansas City because I I think he pretty much said it himself. Patrick Mahomes, he's the next big superstar in the league. And uh, he's, you know, you can't really argue what Tom Brady is. I disagree with him. I don't think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Um, I think that Tom Brady is one of the top five best quarterbacks of all time. So, and if he wins a Super Bowl, even if it's not because of him, you can't argue that Tom Brady isn't the greatest quarterback of all time. Because then you you're seven and three in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I mean, I, there's there's no quarterbacks ever won six Super Bowls. Okay, if he wins seven and he only has three losses in the Super Bowl and two of them against the New York Giants and one against Philadelphia, you can't really argue the point. But if he loses and he goes six and four in the Super Bowl. That's not a good record in my eyes when you're in the playoff, when you're, you've been in the Super Bowl 10 times and you only have six championships. Okay. That's just me. It's interesting as well. What, what is the argument going to be if he plays well and loses too? I mean, still people are thinking of it as the grace. He hasn't played well all, all playoff long, Speedy. Has he looked good? The only game that he looked good was against the terrible Redskins. Okay. Well, and, and he didn't even look good in that game. He out, he got outclassed by a, a, a third string quarterback on the other side. I will say this, though. I think two of the interceptions that he threw against the Packers were not solely on him either. That third one was terrible. That looked like a Jay Cutler throw. But the other two weren't really on him as much. You're right. I don't think he was great. But, I mean, it was, it was still good. He was still a big factor when, again, the running game only took a while to get going and stuff like that, though, too. So that's the other dilemma you got to look at. But it's amazing to see you finally actually admit to there is a chance that he might be at the greatest of all time at some point. <laughs> well, if he wins uh, the Super Bowl, even if it's not because of him. And it, there's a good chance he could win because they just lost Fisher. He could, mm-hmm. He's out for the Super Bowl. He, he tore his Achilles. I mean, they lost another offensive lineman, one of their guards. I mean, when you look at the big picture, uh, going into this game, the way Tampa played defensively with Barrett and and JPP, uh, they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage without the left tackle and Fisher, who's one of the best left tackles in the league. He's been one of the best left tackles in the league. And and losing that um, that backbone type of player, those type of players uh, going into a Super Bowl game. So uh, it doesn't bode well for Kansas City going into the game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be running a lot and maybe for dear life. Okay, because, you know, JPP, I, I've, I've been very impressed with uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. I, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is a borderline Hall of Famer. I, I, I mean, this guy blew his fingers off. Okay, he lost two of his five fingers on his tackle hand, whatever, his lead hand in the dirt. And he's still uh, he's still a 
a pro bowl, all pro player. He dominate. He's dominated the last two weeks against two really good offensive lines. Okay. Not bad offensive lines, top end, top 10 offensive lines. He had two, two and a half sacks yesterday. I mean, you want to ask me who the, who the, the defensive player of the playoffs has been. It's Jason Pierre Paul. Um, uh, do, who do I think is the best player so far for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? It's Jason Pierre Paul. He has been unbelievable. And you see the dominance. We know what he did when, when the Giants won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We know what he can do in a big game. Okay. And he has a chance to win another Super Bowl with another team. So um, I've been very impressed with Jason Pierre Paul. I, I'm not surprised that he is still a dominant force. Uh, he's an athletic beast. And, and again, uh, one of the best draft picks the Giants ever drafted. I mean, seriously, this guy was a raw player when he came from college. He only had he only had one or two years under his belt playing college football. He never played football in his life. And athletic beast. I mean, he, this guy was doing backflips at, at 300 pounds. I mean, uh, the guy is an absolute beast of a man. A fa- sensational sensational, sensational player. So um, the guy that really stood out to me in the NFC title game was Jason Pierre-Paul. That's the guy that stood out to me. I don't care. Barrett had a good game, but it was Jason Pierre-Paul that I was just so very impressed with. I I really was. So uh, before we get our second guest on, I I do want to get into the New York Knicks. And I watched the game against Portland yesterday. And you know what's so impressive about the New York Knicks? And, and Robin said it best. I mean, they're not expected to make the playoffs. They're not expected to be uh, a top team. Uh, they don't really have a top superstar yet. Maybe Randall becomes one. Maybe uh, R.J. Barrett or Obi Toppin. So far, we haven't seen enough of Obi Toppin, which is really, really sad because we, we expect big things from this kid. Um, but we haven't seen enough. We've seen a lot of Emmanuel quickly. And Emmanuel quickly right now, if you were to ask me who the rookie of the year is, He's a top three candidate. Uh, he's been sensational. Who's been better, uh, Ball or Quigley? And the mm-hmm. answer is Quigley. Emmanuel right. Quigley has been a better all-around player this year than the great and unbelievable player that everybody thought he was going to be in LaMelo Ball. I mean, LaMelo Ball has been highly overrated like Lonzo Ball. He's a great passer. He's a terrible shooter. I think right now in the NBA, he's averaging, uh, I think his, his field goal percentage is at 28%. I mean, that's not good. And um, he's not a good foul shooter. Uh, you know, he's not a good free throw shooter. So I, I look at this team, I, I look at the New York Knicks, and there's a lot to be happy about. It's a lot to be excited about. And I disagree with Robin. Uh, I do not see this uh, James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing together for the next four years. I just can't see it. I really don't. There's too many stubbornness. There's too many stubbornness uh, and and really egotistical um, egos uh, with these three players. I mean, they're both all, all have egos. They're all highly uh, contagious with their team. And what I mean by that, everywhere they've gone, they've hurt those teams. Just look, Kevin Durant. Where did he go? He went to Golden State. He was a big part of Golden State. But uh, you saw how much trouble he caused in the locker room and outside of the locker room with that team. I mean, you, you, how many times did we hear that him and Draymond Green were not getting along in the locker room? Okay, and that had a lot to do with Kevin Durant's stubbornness and ego and, and Draymond Green's stupidity. Okay, and then James Harden over there with the Rockets because he's a superstar player. He goes over there. The Rockets made a move, traded away practically their whole team to get him. Uh, he never... He never got him to a uh, championship game. He never even got him to a Western Conference championship. 
Okay. And, and he had Chris, ba- Chris Paul. He had all these players. Uh, he had Russell Westbrook. Look how many players he had around him over there in the Rockets. He couldn't get over the hump. And then Kyrie Irving, okay? The great Kyrie Irving. This is a man that couldn't win without LeBron James. He goes to the Celtics because he wanted his own team. He completely made uh, a mockery out of that team. Made Brad Stevens absolutely couldn't stand him. Okay, he disappeared out of thin air, faked injury how many times over there with the Celtics, and then he gets tra- he signs with the Brooklyn Nets because he said that he oh he grew up a New Jersey Net fan. Then all of a sudden he disappears. He gets Kevin Durant there, comes out and says that he wants Steve Nash. He got Kenny Atkinson fired, and then all of a sudden Kevin Durant he didn't want there. Now all of a sudden James Harden. What is going to happen when James Harden and this team doesn't win a championship? What is he going to say? I never want James Harden there either. I mean, the guy was missing in action for seven seven days or seven games. I mean, it's an absolute catastrophe what this team could be if these three players don't bold well for this team. They traded away their future. Cleveland Dash says, Lord, the Nets, man, the Nets you're talking about right now, better score 150 points a game. They suck on the defensive end, a.k.a. Steve Nash. And Dan T, whoever Dan T is. But, yeah, that sounds about right, Cleveland. They're not a good defensive team. And we were saying it on the Weekend Crunch as well. 147 points they allowed to the Cavaliers, who they don't develop players well. You were saying they were the worst offensive team in the league coming into the that game. <laughs> it was allowed 147 points. And Colin Sexton completely outplayed Kyrie Irving. Uh, Sexton outplayed all of them. Okay, all of them, Kevin Durant, James Harden and Kyrie Irving. And that says a lot about what this team defensively is, because if Sexton is scoring 35, almost 40 points a game against your defense, when you have three superstars on the team. And let me tell you something. It's not hard to play defense. You're athletic. You can score. You can do all that on the offensive side of the ball. You can play defense a la Carmelo Anthony. Okay, I am so tired of hearing that these players can't play defense. They're not good defensive players. Defense, all you got to do is put time on the defensive side of the ball and play hard. If you do all that, look at Julius Randle. Look how good of a defensive player he's become uh, under Tom Thibodeau. If you don't play defense, you don't play. Brad Stevens has taught that. Tom Thibodeau has taught that. And we thought Doc Rivers taught that, but (laughs) that's not true. I mean, seriously. It's just, it's so appalling when you hear people say, well, they're not a good, they're not a bunch of good defensive players. Defense, you don't need any talent to play defense. You need to put your body, you need to put, uh, you need to put time and energy in that side of the ball as much as you put on the offensive side of the ball. If you do both, you'll be successful. Ask, ask LeBron James. Co- well, Kobe Bryant's gone, may he rest in peace. Uh, Michael Jordan, okay? Tim Duncan. These guys were great on both sides of the ball. If you play both sides of the ball, you're going to be looked at as one of the greatest players of all time. Honestly, I'm not going to say Kevin Durant isn't one of the greatest players of all time because he actually plays some lick of defense. James Harden is an overrated player. Kyrie Irvin is an overrated player. These guys are offensive players. That's it. That's all they're good at. They're not good defensive players because they don't play hard. They don't play for the team. They play for themselves. And yeah. that's what I, that's the way I look at the Brooklyn Nets. They're not a team of teams they're a player of players and you mentioned yeah you mentioned it too but 
the Kyrie Irving and James Harden both being bad on defense could also be, like you were saying, with the Carmel Anthony effect. At what point does it just look lazy on defense? Now, we saw Harden had that big block shot at the end of the game in the playoffs against the Thunder. Okay, that's one highlight of your career. Congratulations, you actually blocked a shot. Congratulations, you might have stolen the ball at some point. <laughs> but still, like, where is the effort going to come in? And that's where the championship play comes in. Uh, everyone bashes LeBron for taking plays off at an older age now that, uh, now that he's 35 years old and taking plays off during the regular season. He still plays defense when he needs to. He's still a very versatile, good defender when he needs to be, even at an older age. These guys are in the prime of their careers. Kyrie Irving, a little younger than James Harden right now, but they're in the prime of their careers, and they're not even trying, and that's just insane to think about. And now, basketball is not really a sport you're, you need like the top defensive team wins the championship all the time, like a second-ranked defense and a 19th-ranked offense, but you still need some level of defense to win. No, it was, it's embarrassing. How could you sit there and tell me that the Brooklyn Nets aren't an embarrassment? Like I said, they played the worst offensive team in the NBA. The worst offensive team in the NBA. And you let them score over 130 points in back-to-back games. What does that tell you about your defense? You lost against the worst offensive team in the NBA. What does that tell you about your team? Uh, it, it, to me, it's an embarrassment. And I, I know Robin, Robin is, uh, he, 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 right now he does a podcast for the Brooklyn Nets. He's not going to talk trash about the Brooklyn Nets. He wouldn't do that. I wouldn't ask him to do that, but let's be honest. He's not going to say what he really feels. And this, and what he, I believe he really feels is this team isn't going anywhere. And, and what, and it, they're not for this year. They're not, they're probably not for this year, but when is it going to happen? When do you think that this team is going to stay together for three years? There's no way in hell Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are going to play together for three years. That's just, it's not going to happen. It really isn't. And yes, they can go to free agency in the offseason and bring in uh, old big men. It's not going to make a difference. They traded away their future. So I don't know how anybody thinks that it's a good sign to make a trade like James Harden and give away not one, not two, not three, not four, but eight picks. In a, in a flip side of things, because you're not giving away eight picks, but you really are, because you could swap four picks with them. So it doesn't bode well for the Brooklyn Nets. One question before we go to break. How many championships do you think it would take for them to actually say, all right, this trade was worth it? Has two. To be, has to be two? Two. You, you can't trade away eight years worth of picks. You gave And you gave up Karis LeVert, who's a 26-year-old young player who's going to be, I still think, is a superstar in this league. Uh, he's going to get his opportunity whenever. Uh, and by the way, uh, shout out to Karis LeVert. I mean, thank God uh, he got traded because if he didn't get traded, he could be dead today. I, I mean, seriously, they found an abscess on his kidney. I mean, uh, who knows what it could have caused in the future for him. Uh, So thank God, Karis LeVert, that was caught from Karis, uh, you know, from uh, the Indiana Pacers doctors. Uh, So shout out to Karis LeVert. But uh, Karis LeVert is a great young player. And then you have Jared Allen, who's one of the best, one of the most underrated power forwards in the league. And I'm not a big, as you know, I'm not a big Jared Allen fan. I've never was. But what he has done so far as a young player has been sensational. And, and the Brooklyn Nets trading him, that's two first-round draft picks you traded uh, and uh, the other four and a flop uh, of picks for the next uh, eight years. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't bode well for the Brooklyn Nets if they don't win a championship or two. So there you go. Uh, when we come back, we will be talking to 
the owner and content creator of Fantasy Intervention, Steffi Smalls, here on Below the Mic. I mean, down to the wire. I, I, it's always back and forth, but down to the wire. Here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to Down, down to, to the, the wire. wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You went from hip-hop to this beat. <laughs> As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Mr. Speedy Beatty. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can also go to our app, iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, for all the fans as you know. Speedy, before we get our second guest on, uh, I never asked you, how was your weekend? I said it was fine. It was just busy a lot because I was helping my my aunt out, my grandparents out with a lot of that. So it was just it was grueling, but it was. Were you uh, signing autographs with your tidy whities in Walmart? I don't have tidy whities. First of all, second of all, no. Yes, you were. I I know you were at Walmart. I know you were in Santa Reach and you were signing autographs. Did you not sign autographs over there? No, I I went with you last week, so you could count the coins, and all I did was buy drinks. That was it. <laughs> You're a liar. And tried to guess how much money you had, which I was way off on. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, every single year, I collect coins. Everybody does this. I collect coins in my car, and I had like a, a stack. I had a bucket full of quarters, dimes, and nickels, and pennies. So I said, Speedy, let's go and bring... I, I'm, I'm stacked. Uh, it's stacked to the top. Let's go to Coinstar. So the only Coinstar that's open... Uh, in Long Island at that time is Walmart. So we went to Walmart and I said, Speedy, how much do you think you have in, have in this bucket? He says, oh, no, no, 25. I like, there's a lot more than $25 into this. And he said, he says, I'm, t- I'm going to bet there's 25. So uh, it came out to be almost 80 bucks. So there you go, Speedy. You are absolutely wrong. Don't yep. bet on anything when it comes to Speedy making picks. That's yeah. for damn sure. I, I underestimated the size of the bucket you had. <laughs> you, under, you, underestimate, you underestimate a lot of sizes, but that's a whole nother thing. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, we now <laughs> – we are now talking to the owner and content creator of Fantasy Intervention, Steffi Smalls. What's going on, Steffi? What's up? Thanks, guys, for having me on. This is a blast. I, just, I got to catch a little bit of uh, the last uh, piece here, and it was really funny. When he was talking about Eli Manning, I was cracking up. Yeah, well, uh, Robin is awesome. We we actually had Robin years and years ago on the network, uh, and when um, our social media uh, manager, Jillian, reached out to me, she said that she was going to put her on, put him on another show. I said, put him on with us because I think we could have a little bit more fun. Yeah. And I think Robin uh, gave us a very, very good interview, gave us good insight of what's going on right now totally. in New York sports and, and, and the Super Bowl. So totally. I agree. How are you doing? How are you and your family doing with this whole uh, pandemic? I mean, obviously, oh my God. it's crazy. Um, I'm usually because I'm a med student, so I go to school in the Caribbean. So I'm used to being in the warm weather and I'm miserable at home, <laughs> like so cold. Um, but it's going, I mean, I'm ready for life to get back to normal. I'd like to get my booty to MetLife. So hopefully things get, uh, get better soon. Well, are you a Jets or Giant fan? Oh, I'm a Giants fan. Oh, Steffi, I was, I was falling in love with you. You know, I was falling in love with you. Oh no. All of a sudden 
you tell me that you're a giant fan. I've lost, I've lost it, Speedy. Yeah. I mean, I, it's understandable at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, my producer is a giant fan, so that's what I heard. So I mean, at least someone could, could maybe take a liking to me. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> Uh, as you know, we are talking to the owner and content creator of Fantasy Intervention, Steffi Small. So, Steffi, tell us a little bit about your company and what made you decide to create a company like this. Sure. So, I just got asked to be um, a co-owner with Dave and Mike over at Fantasy Intervention. Chase is the creator of the site. So, I started out, actually, speaking of quarantine, I uh, re-downloaded my Twitter out of boredom. Uh, I made one Leonard Fournette comment on Twitter. It kind of went a little viral and the rest is history. I had like a hundred followers as of October. Um, but yeah, I probably halfway through October, New York Giants rush uh, approached me and I love talking sports and talking football, especially New York Giants football. It's what I bleed. So uh, yeah. And then eventually I kind of uh, hooked up with, Chase and his vision for the company is awesome. So we're really growing over there, putting out a lot of really cool content. Um, but it's been fun. It's awesome. It was very unexpected, but that's very 2020, very on brand. So <laughs> fantasy football is definitely a growing industry. So what is some of the things that you do with your content that stands out or is unique in comparison to a lot of the other podcasts, a lot of the other Twitter pages? Yeah. For sure. I think one thing speaking on the company itself is that we have such a wide range of people that you really could find anyone to relate to. So whereas my articles might be a little bit more humor and maybe not as um, hard on the analytics, because that's kind of was my whole goal coming into this is I want uh, women to get more involved in sports and I want to make sports appealing to others too. And I think that there's a way to do that and use the numbers in a more approachable way. But then you could also, we have some guys that are really hard on the analytics and they do awesome stuff with the charts and everything that they do. But for me, that's not my style of writing or my style of producing. So it's nice because I think that you can find someone that uh, you relate to. And there's really always, we have shows all week long. So there's kind of something for everyone kind of depends what what you're into. Uh, I do a lot of injury report stuff. I um, love offensive lines. So it's kind of a lot of film that I look at. So I use a lot of the offensive line stuff, injuries, all that to help me decide what the heck is going on. <laughs> so you love 300 pound men pushing. Yes, I love 300 pound men. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Whoever's watching, this is definitely going to clip that. And I'm never going to hear the end of that. But I do. I love them. I don't know what it is. I think it's just me because the Giants, their O-line was kind of a disaster. Um, Mark Colombo, he actually blocked me on Twitter. So I'm not, I'm really intense with the O-line. Like I take it pretty seriously, I would say. And I think it's a big factor that people forget about is it's easy to just uh, pay attention to your skilled players, but there's a little bit more of that than goes into it. I know that maybe those other players aren't giving you fantasy points, but <laughs> it's how you're, how the other people are producing due to those things. So, yeah. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to talk to Steffi, you, you have, have to be 300 plus pounds. That's right. If you're 300, 305 is like perfect. <laughs> or not be Mark Colombo. <laughs> <laughs> and not be, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's funny that you say 305 because if 
me and Speedy were together in weight, we'd be about 305 pounds. Wow, perfect. <laughs> See, my math isn't that bad. My analytics are pretty good. <laughs> Uh, we we are now talking to the co-owner and content creator of Fantasy Intervention, Steffi Smalls. So, Steph, we we are watching the Super Bowl. I mean, not Super Bowl. We're watching the AFC and NFC title game yesterday. And uh, familiar names are going to the Super Bowl this year. You have Patrick Mahomes that was there last year who won the Super Bowl, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady, who has been one of the most overrated quarterbacks in my lifetime I believe one of the most overrated quarterbacks mm-hmm. comes from the New England Patriots I think it's all about scheme and system I don't care what anybody says I've always believed that and mm-hmm. Tom Brady having uh to me not the greatest playoff run to the Super Bowl but uh enough to get the team over the hump to the Super Bowl are you yeah. surprised that Tom Brady is heading to the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I honestly am um I think that that is an I I don't know if it's the Giants fan of me too that anytime it's Tom Brady, I'm like, nope, nope, that's not it. That's not, that's not going to happen. Tom Brady, like, so I think part of it is being a Giants fan. I am a little bit biased, but I am a little surprised. I think that with uh, the way the Bucks have run their offense throughout the season before Antonio Brown kind of got hot is there was a lot of, uh, I mean, you never really knew who was going to get the ball, who was going to have that many targets. So I thought for a while their scheme was just kind of getting them by. I think towards the end too, I mean, their defense, White, some of these guys on their defense are just phenomenal. So I think yesterday really proved to me that they do deserve to be there. I think, I, I mean, I called the Bills Packers, which is probably my worst call this entire season, but uh, I think it's maybe two that I would have loved to see Rodgers in another Super Bowl and Allen and Stefan Diggs and everyone over there has worked their butt off. So, but I, it's not entirely surprising. I mean, these guys built a 2006 Madden squad. They've got JPP. These are guys that, and I said this last week on one of my podcasts is the advantage that the Bucks have is that these are veterans that all know how to play in a playoff game. They all have been there. So there's no, that learning curve is not there like it is for maybe the Bills. So they've got these guys that have all been to, they've all been to Super Bowls and playoffs. And so it's a little shocking to me. I didn't, I, I think it took them a while to get in the groove. It makes me a little nauseous that it's happening, but I do love Gronk and he went to University of Arizona, so he went to my alma mater. So I I do always root for him. So and JPP is still a legend to me, regardless. But it's it's a little rough to watch him go to another Super Bowl. <laughs> so two parts here with uh, with the fa- both fantasy and also with the Giants. Um, sure. Two big injury two big injuries this season. I had them on mm-hmm. the two fantasy teams I did have was Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, and yeah. two guys who were relatively healthy throughout their career before that, but obviously big injuries this year cost them their season. So mm-hmm. how does that affect the value, fantasy value of one, the running back position in general, which a lot of people draft early because there aren't a lot of good ones. And two, right. just going forward with them, how should you be able to trust them? Do you think this is one big injury? You think it'll be harder for them to heal? Is it a one or the other type thing? Yeah. What do you think about that for their fantasy value? Too? So I'll start with Saquon and I'm doing, I'll have a video coming out this week about it. I just did a video on him and his injury and updating it. So One thing that, and I'm also writing an article about what injury prone actually means, and I think that that gets very skewed in the fantasy world, on Twitter, 
Just because someone has an injury one season or they have a concussion one season and they have a high ankle sprain the next does not mean that they are injury prone. That's not an injury prone player. Okay. So I think that people forget that and it's easy uh, to because you think, oh, they're not playing. They're not playing. I even myself uh, looking over at things with CMC because I've been kind of hard on him. Uh, I didn't realize he played 16 games every single season until this season. So I would have had no idea. For some reason in my head, I had that stuck that he's injury prone. He's not injury prone. So with Christian McCaffrey, I said I was going to talk about Saquon, but now I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so it's fine. And now I'm leading into Christian McCaffrey. Whatever. I jump around a lot. Just, just follow along, everyone. But yeah, so Christian McCaffrey, the one thing with him is I do want to get a little bit more clarification on his injuries. So there was three guys this year that really – annoyed the shit out of me because they didn't really update the the in like they weren't really telling us much it was him Galladay and uh Mixon so I just want clarification exactly what he's struggling with right now is it the injury from week three is which injury is plaguing him so I want a little bit more clarification but then again they have plenty of time right now for him to recover. He has plenty of time to rehab. There's no reason that he should uh, be impacted. But you're going to see, especially in dynasty leagues, of people getting – they get nervous about this injury-prone, injury-prone. If you have CMC, you don't get rid of him. I think that's crazy to me that people are even considering doing that. Uh, and the same thing goes with Saquon. I mean, I have a little bit more insight into Saquon's injury. He's another one. He's not injury prone, everyone. He he missed three games one season. And otherwise, besides for this past season, played a full season. So there's nothing injury prone. It's just that the Giants are very good of, at using and abusing their players. So he needs help. He can't do it on his own. If they don't find him an RB2 and they don't pay Gallman, he will get hurt again because that's how it works. It's professional football. <laughs> the body's not meant to be a professional athlete like that and then working on overload. So with him, his uh, surgery couldn't have gone better. I mean, a lot of people were confused. Why did they wait for six weeks before they did the surgery? So they do that when they want to give them a better chance. They'll do uh, like a pre-rehab kind of. Mm -hmm. But with him, it worked out and it was really successful. His MCL actually uh, healed completely on its own. He, They were able to salvage the entire meniscus. He didn't have to have any of it removed, which a lot of times you see in players, they do have to remove part of that and that ends up being what maybe plagues them later on in their uh, career. So, and his surgery went good. He was seen probably a month or two ago, already walking without crutches. And Saquon's the type of guy that, I mean, he's got such a great mentality. I don't see this being an issue. But then again, this is going to be another one. You could probably get him a little bit lower or someone might sell you him for, I don't know why, but it's uh, you could take candy from a baby with these two players. <laughs> candy from a baby. Do you hear that? <laughs> well, if, if you're taking candy from a baby, you better not be taking that from an offensive lineman. <laughs> tell you. no. Not not Saquon with those, those quads, those thighs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I actually interviewed Saquon Barkley before he was drafted what? by, uh, the New York Giants. Yes, I, I interviewed him and his father, two very big Jet fans. Um, really? And Bronx, yep. And his father actually has a tattoo on his forearm of the New York Jets. And I actually asked him the question, if the Jets played the, the Giants in the Super Bowl, who would you be rooting for? And he made a joke, but he, I think he was really serious. He said, I hope my son has one of the best Super Bowls that any running back ever has, but I'm picking the Jets. 
<laughs> I love it. Oh my God, that's so funny. That's hilarious. Uh, I think he'll be have a good year. I think it's gonna be a big year for him, yeah, Shepard, Daniel Jones, and some of those O linemen. Uh, I think that they're really this is they're in a good position. It's just is gonna kind of matter what happens this offseason. As you guys know, we are talking to the co-owner and content creator of Fantasy Intervention, Steffi Smalls. So, Steph, you're looking at the Giants this season. Everybody thinks that this was a successful season, winning six mm-hmm. or seven games. If that's successful, I don't know what is. Uh, but Joe Judge, uh, a lot of fans loved him. They loved his personality, loved his attack to the press when the press was, uh, you know, their phones were ringing during his press conference, telling him to shut it off and all that other stuff. Are you surprised that fans uh, came came to the, um, I guess, came to the say of what Joe Judge is? I mean, Joe Judge in the beginning of the season, everybody thought that Joe Judge was going to be a bust. No Giant fans liked the, the, mm-hmm. the choice of bringing Joe Judge. And then all yeah. of a sudden at the end of the season, everybody's talking about how great Joe Judge is and that the Giants found their future uh, uh, Super Bowl <laughs> championship coach. Are you surprised that the Giant fans completely flipped that? <laughs> So I laugh because Giants Nation is one of the most ridiculous crowd of people that I've ever encountered in my entire life. These people are so bipolar over what is, no one knows what they want. It's stressful and it's hard too when you grew up and you're someone like me that saw the early 2000s and you saw both Super Bowls and I know it's frustrating and then OBJ and everything happened. So there's a lot of emotion in Giants Nation. They're very passionate people, but uh, they sometimes have a hard time thinking logically. Uh, I was very excited about the Joe Judge hire, but I was more excited when they actually did the Patrick Graham hire. So I think I always thought that they complement each other very well. They both have that old school fashion, but they have uh, uh, differences that definitely complement each other. So I think that Joe Judge is doing a great job. He said from the beginning that this year was going to be about fixing the culture. And I think something that even if you're not the biggest fan of the Giants, something that the Giants always had before a couple of years ago is they did have a really great culture. I mean, the guys uh, responding to the press, the way that they handle themselves. I mean, there was never really issues. You could Tiki Bar. There's a couple names you can have. Of course, there's always going to be issues. But I think he did a really good job. I mean, the fact that he got Golden Tate to shut his mouth is a big deal right so that's a that's a challenge right there I mean I applaud him I mean that boy I don't know what he did to him but he got in front of the press and apologized that's crazy and then you look at guys like Logan Ryan Logan Ryan wanted to stay he loves that program that's a big deal and then you have Patrick Graham who actually turned down interviews to be a head coach so I think that they're doing the right things it's hard as a Giants fan I know you want you want to see progress like overnight and it's just not the way it's going to run there and not with the new coaching staff, not with the new quarterback, not with the youngest team in the NFL. You're just not going to get what you want. A six and 10 season from where the giants were is really impressive actually. And I think that people forget that all of the losses were essentially by a couple points besides for the 49ers game. Yeah. It's really frustrating. Trust me. I throw things. It's like, I know I got it. It's very frustrating, but you have to take into account this team has been a mess for years. So you got to give them a little slack. There's some pieces that have to get together, but that defense too, phenomenal. I mean, it, it, where they've come, they were one of the worst defenses in the league. And now we're talking at one point in the season, they were number nine. So I applaud him. I think that he does need to be a, a little bit more aggressive moving forward with some things, but we'll see. 
So what do you, what is the off season outlook? Do you think for the giants? I mean, what do you think is their biggest positions of need, whether it's free agency or the draft, maybe players they could yeah. target. Uh, a lot of people think it's a receiver an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. One thing I always wanted was a coverage linebacker. I want I wanted them to draft Isaiah Simmons this year. I wanted them to draft Devin white last year before he went to yeah, Tampa so pick before I. that. So mm-hmm. uh, what do you think are the biggest needs for them? And also with these Deshaun Watson trade rumors too, if the jets yeah. or dolphins do not pull the trigger, what are the chances the Giants maybe go in on that and maybe give up on Daniel Jones? Yeah. So I'll start with Deshaun Watson. I recently wrote an article on it. And basically my section about the Giants is it's never going to happen. <laughs> Read it again. So Deshaun Watson is not coming to the Giants. There's a 0% chance. I mean, uh, I think it's obviously Deshaun Watson is a fantastic quarterback. That doesn't mean that I am I am doubting him in any way but the problem with this team is there is a lot of problems still that need to be addressed before you can have any quarterback come in and have success so I mean they're also not really in the best money situation they're not really in a position to be giving away draft picks so I'm not a fan of him over in the Giants I don't think it'll happen I think there's more realistic uh, options they're gonna have to trade him somewhere that they're going to get a quarterback back is basically what's going to happen. And let's face it, Daniel Jones hasn't played well enough that they're going to want Daniel Jones. And that's just me being honest. I like Daniel Jones. I think he is capable and I think he'll have success next year, but no one wants Daniel Jones right now. That's it. It's as easy as that. So I think that uh, Deshaun Watson, I think he will end up somewhere else. I know a lot of people are saying, no, he's just going to stay. I think he has a disrupted the culture a little bit too much to keep him there. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting, but I don't think it's me on the giants. Uh, I think the giants right now, like in part of the reason why they can't take him is they really need a wide receiver one. It's not even funny anymore. It's like actually very aggravating to the point where if we don't address that, I don't know what I can't watch another season of Ingram with a 57.8% passing completion and the most targets on the team, and then Slayton being second with 52.1%. Like, it, it's got to happen. So uh, I wrote an article, released it today. It's about Shepard and why you shouldn't get rid of him. And he actually plays his best football when he has a wide receiver one. So I think what you do with the wide receiver one is not only do you actually have a playmaker and someone that Daniel Jones can trust and rely on, then you have someone that can take the heat off Shepard and let him cook. So I think that that's a big need. Another one, and I say this a lot and people forget about it, is they need an RB2. So Saquon will get hurt if they do not pay Gallman. So I know Gallman's not getting a lot of uh, word on the street. He's barely on any of the free agent list, but they really do need an RB2. So I don't know how you address that scenario, but it, it definitely needs to be addressed. And as far as everything else, I mean, they definitely could benefit from an edge rusher. Absolutely. But I don't know that I love the edge rushers in the draft. Mm. I would be okay with them trying to find a Band-Aid for that problem as well as – so a CB2 is another one that uh, they definitely do need. But I think we could be okay if everyone's patient. People forget that Xavier McKinney is very versatile. Mm. So I think that if you can get him to be able to be in a position where maybe he can help out and they can get love or someone to, I think that that could be something they could wait on until there's uh, options that are better. Because I hope that by the 11th pick, they, they're almost need to take a wide receiver. But that being said, if Pitts falls, I'm all on board with them taking him. I have no issue with that because if we're gonna, if we're gonna have a, a tight end scheme like we like Jason Garrett loves, then you need a tight end that can do something. So to draft him, I don't care. 
That laugh, we gotta, you know, Speedy, we gotta cut that laugh out and add that to like, you know, my sound box right there. That would be perfect. You know, we'll put that on the FM dial. What do you think, Speedy? You guys have both very unique laughs. Speedy, who sounds like a crow, Mm -hmm. laughs, and you sound like a little mouse. Yeah, I sound awful. It's horrible. We, funny. funny. When I have a few drinks in me, too, oh my gosh, I annoy myself. I'm telling you. Errol sounds like a clown sometimes when he laughs. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I I'm that. laughing through the pain, actually, because talking about Ingram and Garrett actually like brings me physical and emotional pain. Errol loves Jason Dr. Garrett. Doctor Smalls, that's what we're gonna call it. <laughs> one day, one day. There you go. But before we let you go, yeah. um, give us your top three picks if you were to go into the fantasy in fantasy next year. Okay, so I could be anyone, like overall. Anybody, like, anybody you want. Your okay. top three picks. So, okay, let's see. I really, I think Kelsey is one that you can't. The Titans is such a weird position now. It's not, there's not as much, it's like the top three. And then I don't know what the hell is going on otherwise, you know? it's That's that's basically where the tight end situation is. It's Kelsey, Kittle. I like Waller a lot. I think Waller is a good steal mm-hmm. if you kind of get gypped out and Waller is still sitting there. He's a good option. Uh, as far as running backs, I still... I'm still good with a Saquon. I don't think that Saquon's going to have a bad year. Um, let's see. My receiver. I like it. I like what's going on in Washington too, but Derrick Henry and is another one. That's a great yeah. option. There's so many, there is good players too. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, there's a lot of options running backs. I'm noticing in my startups that I'm doing are going really fast in these, these uh, leagues, which yeah. is interesting. I never saw that before, but some of these wide receivers are dropping pretty, pretty low. Stefan Diggs, that's always a great. I love overrated. Overrated. I'm not. I can't stand him. I like him with the pairing with Josh Allen. I don't know that it's like him alone. I think it's what he's able to do with in that uh, environment. I am not a big fan of Stefan Diggs. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I can't stand a Zeke Elliott, and you'll never convince me to draft him. I am a Jets fan, so I'm very excited. I like Mims. Mims is a great option. I picked up Mims in a couple leagues. Mm -hmm. He drops low, and I think he'll have a great year. Mm -hmm. Also, everyone over at Washington, Gibson, McLaurin, those are all really good options. These are players that are going to have some breakout Mm -hmm. years, I think, we're looking at. Well, if Deshaun Watson goes over there, Denzel Mims Woo! is going to be a sensational year. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Denzel Mims, and I'm hearing Allen Robinson wants to go there. So oh my gosh. the Jets could have a great offseason if they bring in Allen Robinson and Deshaun Watson. I mean, wow. They'd be in. I mean, you could dream on a little, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, think you're getting all of that. <laughs> if I'm a Jet fan, I might as well dream. <laughs> You're right. It's okay. You're not the only one dreaming in New York. It looks like the bills are with us too. So, well, because I've been in a nightmare for the last I don't know thirty years. <laughs> it's coming though. You guys are. I'm telling you, there's talent over there. They just gotta wait. Are you for keeping Darnold? No. Okay. So I, 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 I like Sam. I I like Sam, but if Deshaun Watson becomes available, like he yeah, is, that's true. You can't, you can't. Pass yeah, I agree. Up. I don't disagree with that. Cause he would fit there. Like they have enough weapons versus the giants. If he went to the giants is nothing is going to happen. So it's just going to make Watson have horrible statistics. So he's better off somewhere like the jets where they could actually use him properly. And they have the money. And I listen, if, if, if they don't get to Sean Watson, I keep Sam Donald. 
I, I don't trade away those picks unless I'm yeah. getting Deshaun Watson. I don't hate Darnold. I think he kind of did well towards the end of the season. He was functional. You just need functional and then start filling the holes so you can win games. Yeah, and well, then go I, from there. I still think Sam Sam could be a franchise quarterback. I, I just, agree. I don't disagree. Everyone can't stand when you say that. Don't even tweet that because you will get attacked. Harold <laughs> doesn't use his Twitter. If Josh McCown heads over there as the Texans head coach, don't be surprised if Sam Donald's involved in that trade. I, yeah. I can do that right now because Josh McCown, who practically raised Sam Donald the first two years of his mm-hmm. career, uh, and, and his best his best years were as, really his best year was with Josh McCown uh, yeah. as, uh, as the yeah, starting definitely. quarterback, uh, backup quarterback. So I think that if if Josh McCown gets that job, I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Donald's a part of that uh, Texan trade. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I so. like it. That'd be cool. That would yeah. be a whole new face for the franchise. I think it's awesome. No. Anyway, Steffi, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social yeah. media? Of course. So you guys can find me at Steffi Smalls with three L's on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not really active on Instagram. It's kind of my pet peeve, but I go on there every once in a while. And I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, and then you can find us at join our circle underscore. I also on beat at on beat 19. I have a ton of stuff going on. Everything is linked in my bio. Uh, and then our website is uh, fantasyintervention.com. And yeah, that's it. Steffi, you're going to have to follow us on our app too. Cause speedy, my producer is going to send you our app and I want you to follow us. Yes. You have uh, Apple. Uh, what do you have? An Apple phone? Yeah. All right. So speedy, you send her how do they find us on Apple? Yeah, tell me. Uh, we would love to get you on again and talk a little sure. bit. More football and I'm the football. biggest hype man too. So I'm like a great person to have on. Well, you could be my hype man. Okay. Just, Perfect. I'm not, I'm not a gonna be the hype man though. I'm, I'm not a 305 uh, pound lineman. That's okay. for sure. It's hard. it's hard to be that big. <laughs> I can't even imagine. And it's funny coming from someone like me, who's literally a hundred pounds, five foot. <laughs> like where, what, what am I talking about? <laughs> Well, Speedy's about 100 pounds soaking wet, too. So there you go. And he wears tidy whities so No, I don't. Don't listen Daniel to him. Daniel Jones definitely wears tidy whities <laughs> Well, I'm not a fan of – I'm not a big fan of Daniel Jones, even though I'm a Giants fan. I love fan. him, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel Jones, if, if you want to date, uh, reach out to Stephanie Smalls. I've been trying. <laughs> I'm going to just start sliding in his DMs. Maybe it'll work. You should. You should. Okay. You might get lucky. You might yeah. get lucky. You might. You never know. No or I might just look like a psychopath and end up yeah, with a That's true. Or you could just tell him you, you could be his doctor in the future. <laughs> I'm going to be. That's the goal. <laughs> the injury research has to pay off sometimes, so maybe you could help him. <laughs> Listen to Speedy. He's trying to help you out. <laughs> Yeah. He's right. my new dating counselors, apparently. Well, that, that, <laughs> Who needs a dating app? Her injury research was very unique, so it's going it's to count for something. There you go. Yeah, it has to eventually. Yeah, well, there you go. So, Steffi, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was fun. Absolutely. Steffi Smalls, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, as you know, co-owner and content creator, Fantasy Intervent. Awesome. Awesome personality. Really is. Really, really great. Uh, do we have Mark coming on? Yep. Marky Mark, what's going on, my friend? Hey guys, how are you? How are you, bud? Tired. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, I look not being tired. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, I look like I've uh, I haven't slept much, and I, I haven't. 
But uh, Why, what's going on over there? Yeah, I, I actually got a, one of my friends is helping is helping me by uh, letting me do his receipts for his job for his landscaping. Or yeah, you know, they do they do government contracts, mm-hmm. and so oh my god, I've been inundated with like two thousand receipts in the last like this weekend, and then last week I went to meet a deadline by the fifteenth where you had to have. I work like thirty straight hours. I, I it, it's, but hey, you know what? I, I'll, I'll work. I'll work a hundred. I, I don't care as long as uh, as long as I'm able to uh, to make a little money. I mean that that that's Good yeah yeah. Good so yeah, I don't care how long I have to work. So I'm I'm grateful for it. But anyway, um, so how are you uh- guys doing? We're good, man. We're good. I mean, look at Speedy. I mean, he's wearing his tighties. And, no, uh, I'm not, Mark. He's ready to go. You guys had it was a good guest. You guys just had on. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one, Steffi? Yeah, she Steph- seemed uh, like she was. Uh, what did she do? A fantasy um, yep. stuff. Yeah, she's um, funny. She's funny. She's really funny. I love yeah. that. Laugh. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, yeah, that was just kind of annoying, but yeah, I. I <laughs> But it looks. It, it seemed like she really knew what she was talking about. She reminds yeah. me of uh, of great. the girl. Robin, um, Robin Lumberg is great too, man. Robin's been around for a very long time. ESPN and now CBS. Yeah, so Robin's been good too. I mean, that was a great interview too. He gave us some good insight uh, with New York sports. So we call this segment "Mark It Up." This is Mark It Up. 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 All right, Mark. The last 12 minutes of the show, let's hear what your market up sports stories are for the week. So what, what did you guys think? I know uh, Errol, like you, you, you know, for those of you who don't know, Errol's going um, to come on uh, the show we do down here uh, in Alabama. And it's funny because uh, my fiance is like, oh, they, won't, they won't like, they, you know, he's in New York and they're not going to like him. You, know, you, you might get fired. And I'm like, oh, come on. And you give me a break, yeah. It's like give me a break, you know. I said I will be fine. I said hopefully maybe Speedy get get on too, uh, but it gives a chance to at least get the uh, you know all the hard work you guys have been doing and all the new shows you got on and everything. So at least to, to showcase that at you know another part of the country. And as long as you understand sports and know what you're talking about, which you obviously do. I don't think people are that, you know, well, he's got a New York accent, so we're not going to pay attention to him. But uh, I, I think it's fine, Errol, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, everybody who follows this station, you know, me and you had a, had a discussion about Brady and whether he was the greatest or not. Um, and, and you know, we both were looking forward to seeing how he did this, this, how he would do this year and how Belichick would do this year. And at least for the first year, Belichick, you know, you know his – quarterback situation didn't work out and Brady I think surprised everybody by being able to beat New Orleans who had dominated him through the regular season and then being able to win three games on a road which uh, you know he had never done before at least not with the Patriots so he to me he kind of added to his legacy um, now he's with his 10th Super Bowl I mean he's been to more Super Bowls than you know the majority of the of the franchises in the NFL so um, I, I just think this was something I did not expect. I did not expect him to get to the Super Bowl. I did not expect Tampa Bay to, uh, you know, seeing how they struggled during the regular season and the arguments that he got seemed to get into with the head coach. There always seemed to be some kind of, of um, chaos there. But, you know, like he did with New England, there are, you know, when come playoff time, those things were figured out. And, you know, they beat three pretty, you know, well, two pretty good teams. I guess Washington didn't really count. 
but the Saints definitely, and Rodgers too, you got two Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, that were maybe at his level uh, that he went in there on a the road and he beat. So you can't really ask anything else. That was the one missing piece was, can he do this without Belichick? And he did. Um, so, I, you know, who knows how they're going to do against Kansas City. I think Mahomes is like an, a younger version of, of a Tom Brady guy or Russell Wilson. You look at his stats through his first seven games, they compare to Wilson, they compare to Ben Roethlisberger, guys that, you know, have won a Super Bowl and, and, and won like five or six of their first seven uh, postseason games. Um, so Mahomes finds himself in great categories, but Brady's one of those guys. Brady won his first seven playoff games. So uh, I think it's going to be great. I mean, you have like, you know, they were saying on the broadcast yesterday, it's like everyone wants the old guard against the new guard. And it's kind of like when The Rock wrestled uh, Hulk Hogan. You know, it's like you got two legends uh, facing up against each other. And here you have Mahomes against Brady in the Super Bowl after they played in a championship game. I think this is, you are not going to get too many of these too often where you have the greatest that ever played, and then you have a, a, someone coming up who's the, probably the best in the game now, uh, meeting to determine who's going to win. I think it's a great, um, you know, it's a great thing to watch. What do, you, what do you think, Errol? Well, first of all, I don't think Tom Brady was the reason why they made it to the Super Bowl. I think it's been the unbelievable defensive defensive play calling uh, of Todd Bowles. It's crazy to say oh that my Todd Bowles. Oh I know, right? The reason is the reason why Tampa is going to the Super Bowl. I mean, JPP, what they're doing at the line of scrimmage, they sacked Aaron Rodgers over nine times. JPP yeah. had two bad sacks. I mean, it wasn't Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't have a great game. I mean, 280 yards, three interceptions, a couple of touchdowns, and really uh, two of the touchdowns were touchdowns that weren't great touchdowns. I mean, it was bad defense that really uh, that gave uh, you know Evans the touchdown that he had. I mean, so much um, – so much to say about what Tom Brady has done. I, I have to say this, and I am not a Tom Brady fan. I said this to Speedy in the beginning. If Tom Brady loses in the Super Bowl, he's 6-4 and four in the Super Bowl. That's not a good record in my eyes. But if Tom Brady wins, even if it's not because of him, and he goes 7-3, and three, you can't argue that he's not, not the second or even the best quarterback to ever play the game. And that's coming from me saying right. that. So right. um, if Tom Brady loses... Uh, that's six and four. I, I'm, I'm not going to say that's a great record. We, we talk about LeBron James. He's been to nine, uh, nine championship games, and he only, he's only won four. That's not a good record, and that's why he'll never be compared to Michael Jordan. Same thing with Tom Brady. You can't compare him to Joe Montana, but if he wins seven Super Bowls in ten years, I mean, in ten, ten tries, I mean, you can't argue that he isn't. You can argue that he is he's just as good or even better than Joe Montana. And he definitely goes over Peyton Manning after that. So um, I even though I don't think it's because of Tom Brady being into the Super Bowl, he's not the reason why they made it to the Super Bowl. It's it's really crazy that he goes from one team to another and and he goes to the Super Bowl with another team. The Jets haven't been to a Super Bowl in 50 years. Tom Brady goes with Tampa. Oh, uh, he's never been to a Super Bowl ever. And then he goes to the Super Bowl with them the first year. So it's pretty, it's pretty special. And, and Tom Brady, if he's not the luckiest person I've ever seen, he's pretty, it's pretty lucky. It's pretty lucky to say that uh, we will probably never see a player of his magnitude again. Yeah. I, I just think it, even at his age, I mean, he had, there were a couple of times yesterday where he had, he had to really zip the ball in there and he still got arm strength. I mean, he still can zip the ball in there. You, you got to remember the guy's 43 going on 44. 
no one that that's what's more impressive to me is his age and he's still you know i don't know what he's doing i don't know what steroids he's on or or what growth hormone he's taking or you know how did this new diet that he's on uh you know, maybe more people should look into it because he looks just as good as he looked when he was in his 20s and that just is not human so yeah, you could say a lot of things about, you know, how he thought he was going to do it. I, I didn't expect him to have this type of that type of zip on his fastball still at this age. And I mean, there were plenty that went wrong, too. I mean, Evans uh, almost single handedly cost them the game with his drop passes and some of the the uh, mistiming on some of the routes. Um, but I remember one catch specifically that went off his hands and was intercepted. Devonta Smith made a catch like that against uh, LSU that was like, geez, how is he going to get a catch that ball? And he was able to catch it on that almost the same exact angle. Um, and, you know, obviously the guy in the NFL, you know, the guy um, who is uh, at the, I forgot his name already <laughs> as we're talking about it. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that the, uh, Brady tried to hook up with even on third down and he didn't read the pass to come back to the ball and it led to another interception. So, you know, Evans, so, uh, you know, Evans is a, is a quality, is a, you know, probably, I don't know if he's going to be a hall of fame guy, but he's an all pro and he's one of the better wide receivers in football. Happy. So, Happy. Yep. Yeah. Even, even he, there there was just not that clear communication with him and, and Brady uh, that led to a couple of those interceptions. And I mean, it's very rare. Do you see Brady throw three picks in a game in the playoffs? Never mind three picks in a quarter or three picks like in consecutive possessions which he did in the second half uh, once it was 28 10 you figure okay um you know it, it, you know it would have been funny errol is he blew a 21 to 3 lead when he was uh quarterback for new england against uh, indianapolis in a championship game in 2006 mm -hmm. and he would have blown another 18 point lead if um the defense didn't step up and stop make some huge stops uh when green bay had a chance you know 28 23 to, to drive down and take the lead. And, it, you know, JPP and Shaq Barrett, those guys were constantly in his face. You know, Shaq Barrett got, there was one time where he looked like he was offside. He beat the, he just timed it so perfectly. By the way, um, he, he was offsides. That's what I, I thought he was offsides. But, 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 but uh, so you know, a couple more things I want to ask you about. Uh, Deshaun Watson, like, he's a guy I would, I absolutely, if they have a chance, he does have a chance to get Deshaun Watson, get him. Because we're talking about one of the best quarterbacks, guy who led the league in passing. Top four. Touchdown. What? Top four yeah. quarterback in the league. Yeah, and he's 25. You mm -hmm. know, so and you, there's no, uh, well, uh, you know, how is, how is he going to do? Can he adjust it? No, he wants to come to New York. If they don't get him, like, that's the key. Like, forget about Justin Fields. Forget about Sam Darnold. Get him. He's going to, he, you know right away what you're getting. You're getting one of the top quarterbacks in the league who's, you know, just the fact that he would be available, if possible, is amazing. If they, if, if he wants to come to New York and they don't get him with what they have available to get him. Oh, he's, he's, he's coming. I, I think the Jets are going to get him. I, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be till April. But I think all in all, I think Texans are not going to not. There, there's no right. way we're going to be able to. Uh, salvage what, what's going on over there in, in Houston. I, I do believe he's on his way out. They're talking about McCown. If McCown goes over there, I can't see them not making a trade with the Jets because they can get Sam Donald. McCown and Sam have a very good connection over there. So I, yeah, I, I mean, a head coach. Well, or maybe, what, what, what is McCown going to be over there? A head coach. Head coach. 
That's what I'm hearing. Yep. How is he going to be head coach? Maybe was he two years retired? What about the enemy? Why isn't anybody hiring him? Nobody said the Texans were smart. <laughs> Please, I and mean, really, and and they said that the reason why Watson really wants to come to the Jets is because he likes the uh, Sailor, the defensive coordinator. Robert, yeah, and he wanted the the Texans to interview him. Yeah, and they right. weren't. He was mad they didn't. Yeah, they weren't interested in him. But Sala wasn't going there anywhere. If you listen to anything that Sala said, he would after the first Zoom interview that he had with the Jets. That's where he wanted to be. He Good. wanted to be with the Jets. Good. You and, like this guy? Oh, I love him. I think he, he was the best. I, I didn't think the Jets had a chance for him. I, I didn't think that he had, the Jets had any chance at Robert Sala. And if there was any defensive coordinator. Uh, that was available that I want because I didn't want a defensive guy. It was only Robert. Yeah, me neither. Paul. I know, it's me neither. Because, I mean, we're talking Herman Edwards was a defensive guy. Uh, Rex Ryan was a defensive guy. Todd Bowles was a defensive guy. Um, you know, so those guys, you know, really, the last time we made the playoffs was Rex Ryan. Hard to believe it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, like last week, was the last playoff game they played in when they lost to Pittsburgh. In the AFC Championship game in 2000, it was uh, January 2011. Hard to believe it's been that long. I was in my mid-30s when that happened. And, you know, now it's like, oh, my God, has it been that long since they made the playoffs? This is the longest they've gone since the since when Namath made it to the Super Bowl the year after they lost in the division round. Then they didn't make it against the playoffs until 1981. So, it's you know, it's like that, that long of a drought. And if they have a chance to get a guy in his mid-20s who has shown the ability to not only be like an accurate passer, he completed 70% of his passes this year, but he's everything that the NFL is becoming. He's fast. He can, he can play the option game. He can run just about any type of offense. Um, like he's, you know, Lamar Jackson, uh, Mahomes, all these guys that are supposed to be the next generation of quarterbacks. Watson is just as good, just as talented as any of them. If they have the chance to get him, that fixes their problem there. Now, what, what do you think that they would have to give up? I mean, a first-round pick, obviously. Um, would you give up the, the second pick with Seattle, or would you give up picks next year? What do they What do they want for him? I think the Jets are going to have to give up at least three three first-round draft picks. I think they're going to have Ooh. to give the. I think they're going to have to give up the second this year. They're going to have to either give up their pick or Seattle's pick next year and the year after, uh, and and maybe um, a third or a fourth. Uh, in, in, next year, that's what with, I. Yeah. With Darno, with, with if they get Darno, they would have to give up two first round draft picks and a third or a fourth next year. So uh, if they if they get Darnold with it, um, they'll get they'll have to give up two first round draft picks. Definitely their second pick this year, definitely because they're going to want Justin Fields or they're going to want a Zach Wilson. They're going to need a future quarterback. They're going to need a franchise quarterback. And they're giving up one. They need to gain one. Uh, and, and getting the second pick in the draft, that solidifies them to get one of those guys. So um, that's see, what they're talking about. Hmm. See, I, I, so even if the Jets traded them Darno, they wouldn't accept that as their franchise no. quarterback? No. 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 I mean, see, I, I wouldn't give up that that early pick. I mean, I would give them the second, you know, Seattle, Seattle's pick. Um, that, that That's why I think the Jets should look into trading with Miami because if they can get – Miami's pick, second pick, and, and and hold on to you know and the, their pick you know their, their which be, would become number three. If they can get those two, and Miami wants to move up to number two, um, that that would really solve a lot of their problems because then they'd have an extra pick to play with. Um, you know, but I, I don't I don't you know, I don't see there's anybody Miami's going to look that they say they can't get at three that they couldn't get at two. You know, so 
um, there's too many people that, you know, is available that they, that could help make their team better unless they absolutely want Devonta Smith. And they, they think the Jets are going to get him. I don't see any other reason why Miami would, would make that trade, but I mean, you're looking at any other possibility for the Jets to trade down, which to me, I think would probably be the best scenario if you're going to have to give up some of their picks to get, um, to get, to get Watson. Um, there's not really many other options outside of getting second and third round picks instead of another first round pick that they could do if they're going to give up, um, you know, their number, their number two pick. You know, if they give it that number two and move down to stay 10 um, and then get another pick in a second round, I don't really know if it helps them more than it would just staying where they are. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what they do. Um, but I would much rather give up picks next year. So I would be absolutely willing to give away the, the pick with Seattle next year and then even the, the year after his first round pick. Uh, but I wouldn't give up on the Jets' picks for next year because I still think they're going to struggle um, to where it'll, it'll matter where they will make the playoffs where they could use that pick to get another talented player where you know Seattle is they're probably going to you know make the playoffs again so it's going to be a pick that's further on down the first the first round and uh, I, I would have no problem giving up that one and then say 2022 first round pick where you hope the Jets would be in a playoffs by then and wouldn't matter that much um, you know, if, if they're asking for that much and Darno, two first round picks on Darno is probably what I would say, you know, this is what we'll give you. Uh, if you want another like fourth round pick, we can give you one of those. But anything more than that, um, hopefully, you know, won't, won't come to that. But, you know, hopefully they'll, they doesn't seem like Texans are in that great of a position to negotiate. Not at all. Thank you, Mark, for joining us, bud. Hey, thanks, guys, and uh, I know we'll talk later. And uh, you know, looking forward to seeing you Wednesday. Maybe, maybe I'll see you too, Speedy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Mark Kelly, ladies and gentlemen. We do this every single Monday. Mark it up. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Speedy, Petey, keep tidy whiting all the way home. That is not a verb, and never will be. Well, it's a verb for me, buddy. Anyway, right? Well, when your dictionary gets uh, gets a million uh, buys, I guess uh, yeah. published then you can use that on air. There you go. Anyways, I'd like to thank uh, Robin Lumberg. Great interview by him. Uh, unbelievable interview from Steffi Smalls. She's awesome. Really, really awesome. So if you're a 305-pound lineman, uh, reach out to her. She's very interested. Or Daniel Jones. And, uh, yes. And thank you to Mark for Mark It Up, as always. That's it for our show. We'll be back uh, on Wednesday. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. Woohoo! You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.